Hi, I'm Natasha Taylor and this is Open Classrooms, a podcast series produced by the Academic Development Group in Science, Engineering and Health at RMIT. In each episode of Open Classrooms, we talk to a member of staff who's trying out something new or interesting in their teaching. Our guest for episode 14 is Marianne Muliao-Marciali, who is Manager Experience Design in the CX team from Global Marketing and Student Recruitment. She's been doing some really interesting work on the Indigenous student journey, and it's really nice to be able to welcome her today. So hi, Marion. Hi, Natasha. Well done on um, pronouncing my surname. I'm going to dedicate my whole week to getting this better. It's a beautiful <laughs> name. It's really, really cool. Um, tell us a bit about your role and um, and what you do. Well, first of all, Talofalaba, which means hello in Samoan. Oh, I'd also just want to acknowledge that we are on unceded lands of the in Wairarung and the Bunurong languages mm-hmm. of the Eastern Kulin Nations, um, the elders past and present, and um, emerging leaders. And uh, just it's really a real privilege mm. to be able to to be in a position to to speak that to be able to. Um, be in a position to normalise the the acknowledge of a country and a team. Absolutely. And so, when you talk about what other things that I do, I mm-hmm. guess um, I'm 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 an ethnog- ethnographer. Uh-huh. Um, I did my PhD here. I looked at the mobile phone and the space in between, which is Kasamwan construct called the VAR. Uh-huh. So it's if you can think about um, understanding growing up that between myself and the universal world, myself and my family and, uh-huh. and myself and my village and my leaders, there's this tension that we want to keep in harmony. Okay. In order to do that, it's um, you will keep the peace through honouring, through spoken word, mm-hmm. um, attire. So the way that you, you present yourself in the village, okay. um, how you act. So, for instance, if there are high chiefs that come through the village, then we will be serving, especially as young kids sitting on the floor and mm-hmm. serving, waiting, mm-hmm. waiting on them. And um, so a, a huge thing is just how we interact. And um, the thing with the village is that everyone polices themselves. So. Okay. On that premise, I was able to work with um, the on the Indigenous Student Journey project uh-huh. to understand um, what were the pain points, what were the moments that matters for our students. It was commissioned by um, the Education Portfolio. Okay. Um, and I had to work with Deloitte's uh, an agency, so we worked together yeah. um, to to work through what they called design thinking. Okay. Uh, also, um, looking through the double diamond. And um, my introduction, that was pretty new, but I have project management experience, event mm-hmm. management, and then my cultural lens on things that we do. So... Um, I was concerned that um, Deloitte's, or we were all non-Indigenous, yeah. but also because I worked in universities in New Zealand, okay. um, I understand what the interface between a Western culture, Western ideologies, yeah. and then uh, Indigenous yeah. ideologies, and also how you can meet in the middle. So uh, immediately I uh, introduced what is now known as a word cast being sold in the campus store, but uh-huh. it started with... Grab a Sharpie, grab a card. I want you, you're on each day to come back with an Indigenous word, uh, sorry, word, and teach it to us. So that started the understanding of how to use Indigenous words uh, in a small group setting and then to normalise, like sometimes I would say, let's normalise, acknowledge our country. 
So I'd say to a team member as we walk to a meeting, oh, by the way, you're on the acknowledgement country. And they'll be like freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it was just a great one for everyone sort of because everyone were on alert yeah. at this time. You know, oh my gosh, we've got a meeting. Marion might spring this on us. And it yeah. was because it's like in the same way you would ask someone to, can you take the minutes or do you have this part of the meeting or are you closing? Are you starting? You know, I felt that's a quick way to, I guess, get the team um, comfortable with it. Yeah. yeah. To the point now it's like right across global marketing student recruitment. I've seen it, you know, a lot of other teams um, be comfortable or even have a go. Yeah. so, you know, the things that I do do is to understand the human experience of those who are students um, that have come through projects that come through, that have been commissioned by different business units in the university. Yeah. So um, I was also on the adult postgrad learners, which was another one that was commissioned by the education portfolio. Yeah. We also have VE, the international experience. Um, there's industry, global industry experience that's happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, if you can think about the different types of, you know, humans that come through the university and mm. every experience is different. Yeah. Um, we look at that cohort and dis- and try and find out through research, through interviews, through ethnographic tools. Sure. Of um, how can we improve the experience of our students um, once they sign up? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's getting to class is important, and mm-hmm. that's another different type of experience. We've actually commissioned the uh, learner journey um, okay. as well, um, so that's a different experience. But I guess a lot of the work we do do is retention. You know, yeah. it's like how yeah. do we keep them engaged yep. alongside? Um, everyone, what everyone else is doing, I kind of see the work that we do as the thread that comes through, sometimes a glue, sometimes a connection, sometimes a bridge. Mm. Um, because there is our lens is different to what everyone's focused on, like student support services or a- academic. We're all here to support the student. Sure. But I guess we're like that extra layer to say, did you consider X, Y, Z? Um, but it's yes. really important there because it's that understanding what the challenges and the barriers might be. Yes. And, you know, my background is in social science. Mm-hmm. For me, ethnography is, yes. you know, a very mm-hmm. obvious place to go with yes. that. So, um, most of our listeners are academic members of staff mm. who um, teach um, across the university and externally, actually. So how would you um, kind of summarise for them what the barriers and challenges for the students are? What are the things that threaten the retention and the success? Mm. Yeah. Flourishing. Yeah, that, uh, it's, yeah it's a, again, it's a, that's a difficult question to answer yeah. in terms of, you know, I can't pinpoint it. Mm. But I will say that um, our students are really asking questions on whether what they've decided to study uh, is going to get them a job. Yeah. Job security mm. is really high up there in terms of our priority and also time. Like just trade-offs like mm. if I give up my job to upskill myself and I decide to go to university so there's a competition of the other um, education services or providers that can do in a shorter time even industry mm. so it's a lot of those things it's really about you know uh, security um, time trade-offs around that and just the stress of having to balance life like the mm. adult postgrad learners you know it's a different a different lot of of um, a, a different cohort where they have they have a life. So as an undergraduate, your life is school. There may be sports and family, mm. but 
once you you're an adult, you have other things, you know. Mm. Um, so those things like you might have children. Yep. You might have a part time job because you have to. You may even have a full time job in your work sure. in your yeah, study. So. It does seem that that society is just um, they're really stressed. Mm. The stress of trying to make to improve their life, mm. their lifestyle, and so what we the insights that we deliver as um, te- like, like technical things like timetabling, okay. um, also um, orientation, getting information to our students at the right time when they need it because yeah. orientation works for undergrads but not so much for those who are working and can't make it sure. and those kind of things so you know that's just a small thing that are of what we look at and often once you're um, you don't if you don't participate or you can't participate in that orientation mm. you actually feel more able yes. before you yes. start don't you so yes that's right really important at yeah. that stage and the assumption that, that makers, um, the students make is, oh, I, I studied, oh, I just graduated. I, it's only been five years. It's the same university. <laughs> Nothing's changed. I don't, I don't have to go to orientation. Mm. They get here to the library. What one student said, where are the books? Mm. You know, things yeah. have changed. So. Yeah, no, they have radically changed. Mm. Thinking about um, the cards, the word cards. Mm. I know you mentioned them and I, I've seen them in the shop and I've been really interested in them. Um, do you know how they're being used across the university? In, yeah. Kind of, presumably in quite creative ways. Yes. Um, uh, a lot of the exec leadership mm. um, meetings, they've mm. been um, distributed. And I spoke at the operations leadership um, forum yeah. and I ran a workshop with, I think it was like 200 um, staff members. Mm. Also, um, human resources have taken up the word cards and the workshop that I created and they put it into Develop Me as, as part of the suite to okay. towards Indigenous engagement. Uh, I know that... Um, uh, Nagara Willem are using them for um, Gamaji, which is the indigenous uh, orientation. Mm. So they use them when they first came out to just yeah to help, to help their students orient themselves around being proud of being indigenous. There yeah. are some issues with our indigenous students feeling that they don't want to identify okay. or because they don't want to be seen as less than in their yeah. experience coming through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, the message that they're going, oh, the, the message they've been receiving is, oh, you're indigenous, okay, mm. poor you. And so they didn't want to identify. Yeah. The other reason they didn't want to identify was the pressure of suddenly indigeneity becoming on trend and everybody needs to know and I want to help you so tell me so they feel under pressure having their language been taken away from them Mm. uh, from their ancestors or their parents or grandparents and they don't know so they prefer to stay under the radar Um, the word cards are being used uh, I find a lot of people have lots of many inquiries um, about working with industry how can we use this to um, especially in branding they're running a day with students and also even in um, some of the campaigns they're having Mm. they're asking me what's a good way to use it that's more about um, the protocols am I doing this right right? do I have permission and the word cards were designed obviously with um, our elders, so mm. um, Caroline Briggs, and I spent quite considerable amount of time uh, just going through the words. We had like 40-something words, but because they were from Google, when we Googled them, they were like from all different tribes. Okay. So when oh, we concise yeah. them down to uh, the Woiwurrung and the Bunuan okay. languages, mm-hmm. we have at least 20, 21 cards. Nice. 
And um, it's interesting. So some of the feedback I've had was like, what do you do when you run out of the cards? So, you know, it's, but there's so many other ways to use it. And so, and I think that's the thing with um, indigenous culture is one word just means so many, there's so many layers Mm, to it. mm. And I think this is the the problem I have with research is um, when you go into research, going into a community, it's on their time. And it's a lot of, there's a lot of studies around that, um, uh, articles on uh, communication for development, Uh you know, or even development studies, you know, um, white saviors, they're thinking about, it works in my country, therefore it's going to work there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find also that in the work that I'm doing in customer experience team, it's that thinking as well around what is important to the human yeah. and it's stripping away um, what we think, even as a university or as organisation. So I find my training in there and my understanding and, and my life experience, I lived in different countries. I lived in developing countries mm-hmm. volunteering. And so I feel like I did ethnography before I even studied it. Mm. It's interesting when I did yeah. the study, I was like, oh, that's what you that's call what it. That's what I do. Like, that's what I do. So <laughs> yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, thinking about the um, the students, because you're working, aren't you, with students yes. on, on lots of these projects, how would you summarise the benefits for them of actually mm. taking part and working with you as yeah. partners in this process? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, as researchers, you know, we, you, we do co-designing, what's well, co-design, participatory sure. research. Um, it's the fact that they're actually a part of the process and change. And mm. um when I look at this, I think of I think of the village. I think of my Samoan village, the way I was raised, yeah. and so those are things that collective cultures. We'd always do things together, and so um, coming into academia and having these see, seeing the pra- the practical application of that, I go, oh, again, that's my upbringing. But also putting in the framework of academia and being able to have the people skills, but also um, in that framework, so then you can talk about it in, in a different context. Mm-hmm. So uh, it benefit to the students is that oh you actually care about what I say a, a lot of the students go mm. well I'm a, you mean I'm helping you redesign or make change so my what I'm saying this could be possible change Absolutely. and we, we talk them through you know the process you know we say well XYZ has to happen and um, but they're really excited about it and we often have um, like follow-up consultations with them and we say this is what we presented anything changes this is what it looks like from the other um, students that we spoke to this is the end product this is uh, we um, probably need for you to um, review and they're just like wow you took time to ask mm. us and so I think they, they really love that they really love co-designing or being a part of that they love that we ask them how things are they love that um, they have direction uh, they have the agency to do you know to direct us as staff members yeah yeah so not, they're not just providing you with the information <laughs> no. or the story You're, yeah you know, they're co-writing yes, you know, yes. together aren't they yeah so the, the thing I identify in terms of my culture is Talanoa so it's T-A-L-A-N for Nali O-A mm-hmm. and this is the the the, um, the principles of Talanoa are um, you don't own the conversation. It has yeah. a life of its own. Okay. And um, so, again, as a researcher, I can't sit there and go, oh, so tell me about 
you know, yeah. How many times are you use a mobile phone? The, the the high chief's wife, she ran a woman's committee. I'm sitting there on the floor, and I just started asking me questions about my family. It took about four hours sitting there, and we had a meal, we talk, and then at the end of it, she said, "So, what? Tell me about your research." You know, and mm. that's just the process. Yeah. I'd forgotten I was there for research by that time. <laughs> I was quite full. It really, yeah, you were quite immersed in it. <laughs> yeah. oh, and that's really interesting thinking about that. And I'm thinking that's immediately my mind's going to the classroom now. And I'm thinking, oh, mm-hmm. reframing then mm. the way you ask questions mm. of students, thinking yeah. about that power balance yes, in the classroom. The power balance, yeah. And, you know, how you're co-inquiring or mm. co-exploring and building whatever narrative that class or that lecture or that yes. or whatever is yes. intended to mm. to explore that's actually re- well it's really challenging yeah um, but really interesting and rewarding us yeah and I, I think um, this is where the way that Pacific people use oratory which in a Western context I'm mm. understanding as storytelling yes is how we um, it's, it's the authenticity of it. Okay. I think that's that's what I'm finding the difference between, you know, when I, I, I arrive in Australia and then I'm working there to talk about storytelling and I'm like, oh, like I said, it triggers me yeah. because it's our, uh, in our culture, um, oratory is huge. You know, someone oratory, how we pass on our traditions and um, there's almost like a, it's a different language, almost like Shakespeare in English, yep. yes. right? So yes. when you're speaking to high chiefs, when you're in that forum, where you've got rank chiefs, you have uh, Abdullah Fale who speaks on behalf of the chief. The chief can also speak if they if they need to, if they want to, and it's it's like the way it's kind of like um, uh, it's like a battle. So when in any time there's a um, a gathering, it's mm-hmm. either something with the village and and, and two different villages would come together mm-hmm. and. They would have to try and outgive one another. <laughs> they really want to win the battle so that they can give them more. Right. And in doing that, it's kind of like a intellectual debate slash banter. Um, and the person who is tasked with the role of Dula Fale or um, Speaker of the House, I guess, uh, has to um, has to know the the, the the lineage of the village of okay. of, the, of the, you know, those who are visiting. Yeah. And if the opponent mentions another village, you know, like as as a rebuttal to whatever they're talking about, that Tula Fale has to then respond in a way that, you know, I guess is eloquent, but also brings them back to the point that, no, we're going to still outgive you, even though you know the history. I, you know, it's kind of like a lit review, I guess. You yeah. pull up all these references and get to saying this, but it's, it's memorised. It's an enormous skill. It's an enormous skill. Um, so to do that, especially under pressure. Under and, pressure. Oh. And there's so much pressure. It's the village. And, and you'll speak on behalf of the chief. Wow. It's beautiful to watch. Mm. Um, it's something that I, I would, I'm going to look into because there's classes for that. I like okay. to go back home and understand that because mm. uh, it's just beautiful. It's like just poetry in motion. It's so beautiful. And so, you know, coming to context here where we're talking about storytelling, mm. how do we 
com- communicate the heart of a student's story. Yeah. Um, so how I arrived here at the podcast was Lisa attended one of our workshops, a customer experience, oh. and um, she asked, so what other workshops that you do? And I said, I did one on the Pacific storytelling. Yeah. And um, I took it from um, the space in between, or I called it the coconut wireless. <laughs> so the coconut wireless can be seen as, I guess... You know, it um, just just and just hearing that word coconut wise, you think, oh, it's like um, the grapevine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how oh, okay. how how it's, it's word of mouth, how yeah. things spread and how people know about that, or communication information is shared. And so it's interesting because it's the first time I've given that workshop mm. and so the unpacking of that from a framework of the coconut wireless to uh, storytelling yeah. um, I had to really go deep into my research wow. so we start off I ended up with like a triangle at mm-hmm. the bottom of that was a cultural lens okay. understanding so in a Samoan context if you whatever village if you and I were from the same village we're sisters okay and if you have a brother and I had a crush on him I can't marry him because we're he's my brother yeah. right okay. um, so we're really, we are connected to the land yep. then on the next level is the Fatmatai which is the way that the village is run mm-hmm. so um, it's uh, one where you have like all decisions are made from the funnel, which is the main meeting uh, the high chiefs they meet and then they like every two weeks they have a meeting what happened oh so and so broke into so and so's house okay what's the penalty well they have they returned it good they have returned it, returned it well then they'll have to go and help them and work in the plantation for a week wow. so the police uh, sorry the, yeah. the village police is itself uh-huh. right so there, there's that thing and then the next thing above that would be the VAR which is a space in between I think that tension that we try and make sure that it's even and it's balanced yep. um, there's harmony there and then the top of the triangle I had the coconut wireless okay. so how information is spread around is based on all those layers on the names. So the way that you communicate and the reason is because um, we police one another. Okay. You know, it's not gossip. No. It's like, so if I was walking to the dairy that morning, I'd be stopped because people, people, it's open houses and sometimes Western style houses. Okay. Oh, where are you going? And I would stop and go, oh, um, heaven's greetings to you. That's in Samoan. And they're like, and they're like, peace be your journey. You know, okay. this is how we communicate in Samoan. Yeah. And they go, by the way, um, where are you going? And and I go, oh look, I'm going to. I have to buy some cakes because there's some visitors that are coming from New mm-hmm. Zealand. And then the chief would go, great, or whoever it was. Go, oh, that's lovely. They go, peace be the journey. And then he would call his um, daughter. He goes, go and um, organize a pig or umu because there's some guests coming and then we're going to go over and deliver and then she'll go across to the other house and go hey I need some I need some guys and then they go why (laughs) I will get to the dairy and they go oh we hear you're getting some cakes you got some you got some people coming and they go yeah how did you know that of course how I know that it's like the coconut wireless but it's all based on hospitality looking after one another not so much how did you know my business you're so you're gossiping no it's not that at all it's a very different way of thinking. Yes. Very positive. Way yeah, very positive. And so I looked at three things from that. I drew out three things from that was that um, in terms of storytelling would mm. be um, first thing was intention. Okay. The intention is purposeful. It's about, as, as I said that, the intention for that is to um, connect, communicate, to make sure there's a place of safety. Everyone's been looked after. 
yeah. and then and then the second ones was um, delivery. So face to face is really important. So yeah. I guess in storytelling, it's like the human element to I your agree. story, your own personal authenticity, and because we in Samoa, the way that we speak to one another helps us. Um, beautify the space in between or deal with the VAR mm. so the beautify continue to beautify the space in between my I use my manners when I'm talking to you mm. um, the way I address you if you're high chief is the words that are spoken plus you get the whole story you yeah. know like when I'm talking to you asking you everything um, and then um, the live and then was the final ones was reciprocity yeah so and um I explained a story where I had some other woman come over to see me, um, you know, to see how I'm doing. And they brought, they bring food or okay. they bring clothing or they bring something. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And then in return, you know, whether they brought something or not, I would always say, hey, there's, I just baked this cake. Please take it with you. Thank you for your time. So it's a risk. There's reciprocity there. Yeah. So I say, that sometimes um, maybe in our storytelling we can think of something more that we want to leave with yeah. our audience. Yeah. You know, often it's like, if, if you're coming from a place of authenticity, um, then obviously your intention is to whatever that may be mm-hmm. and they leave with a feeling of X, Y, Z. You know, they leave with something. Uh, in presentations, we're applying it now where they actually leave with something. And I think I think the, the um, learning for me was because I've always, anytime I have, I do any kind of activity or workshops, I'm like queen facilitator. I love <laughs> being creative and you know, doing uh-huh, this and that. Yeah. So it's always been, I think my, my, my revelation when I broke that down, I was like, oh, I've always had my audience walk away with something that's related to the heart of what I want to say. But that was there was a disconnect okay. in, that was missing for my audience. Yeah. And so it was missing even in our practice at CX. So now when one, one, one of the leaders are like, I really like the reciprocity and how it connects to what you said. And to me, that's common sense. And maybe to people out there, they go, that, but I, I didn't really realize how much it was embedded in me for my culture. And so um, those three things, intention, delivery, and uh, reciprocity, I think that people walk away and they remember it's like it's I guess yeah what you remember right now I think one of the key thing was delivery was not what you say but how you say it it. and that came with the more way of greeting somebody Mm. so yeah my mm. mind's racing now. It's, mm. it's, it's translating all of this into <laughs> mm. my probably terrible lectures. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, this is actually really, really, really powerful. Oh, excellent. Um, this all sounds good. And, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing you can't say that's positive about it, but it must be difficult. What are the challenges? What are the barriers? Yes. What's the kind of thing yeah. that frustrate you? Yeah, I think, I think, um, um, but, uh, yeah, I think living and so I, I, I grew up in a real Samoa way someone I loved living in I was born in New Zealand so from birth I was told to know your culture don't forget it be proud of it and you walk into a society that says don't speak your language mm-hmm. um, you know your colour of your skin makes you different all that kind of stuff yeah. so um, to but fortunate for me I'd go home and they were like Oh, so what? You're still a Samoan. You're going to act, you know. So uh, my learning coming through now is that suddenly, all suddenly, it just seems suddenly that it's on trend to storytell and everything yeah, else, yeah. you know. So I think for me is, is um, my barrier was accepting and embracing the moment. But then also um, 
taking people through the journey of a professional persona Mm. to suddenly have to connect with themselves as a human and also to say human-centered design is a thing when it's actually part of my culture, right? You cannot be in a collective (laughs) culture and, you know, you can't be, you can't, so obviously individual and collective. So it's like you're trying to, those are the barriers, trying to mindset change for yeah. for people who the world, different worlds, and live in individual society and everything that do is individual and everything is fine and then having to change that mindset even yeah. within your team. So um, I guess the good thing is that there's a real appetite for and not 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 just an appetite, it's a real desire to and they see their value in it. Yeah. So when you see the value in it, you're willing to change things. But then that's within the team. You go outside mm. and there's lack of understanding. When I say outside, I'm talking about the university, different business units, yeah. different budgets, different mindsets, different pace of what they're doing. Uh, so yeah, those are the barriers. But I feel like it's like anything in organizational change or any kind of change, right? It's just a group of people who believe it and it's having the right tools in place and the right people saying the right things. Take for instance, the, the word cards. Yeah. Right, so my my idea was um, let's just start with the word cards um, because it's like an entree. You know, at the time that we started, then the what does when I well I think when I was studying the reconciliation action plan rap plan came out first year, and I think I was in my third year, okay. and then so to be. Um, to start work and that was coming to the end of it mm. and then to be in a project that helped inform the next one um, so you know and then have the word cards there so it's, it was timing timing was perfect yeah. so those things need to be in place like obviously the mantle from the university to say yes this is where we're going we accept it um, the word cards are there but uh, because people are asking I don't know how to engage with indigeneity so I'm mm. like here's a have a a card, word card, it's an entree. You know, people are like, there's anxiety around that. Yeah, there's yeah. a political, social uh, climate around that. So, so when I when I was working with this team, um, we with Deloitte's, it was like tension was high. Oh my gosh, we had to go and talk to do. So are we saying the right thing? Yeah. Am I? Can I say this? Can I give the acknowledgement country? You know, I just go and talk to Auntie Caroline. Can we do this? Can we do that? You know, and I guess again, timing. Fortunate that I'd come from New Zealand. Yeah. I was yes, and so we. I've seen a lot of movement and social change and education. Um, also work and push the envelope, and I could and I knew what we could do here. Yeah. And I felt I felt like the top said it. Martin said we're going this way, and people a little little bit mm-hmm. oh tense, which I. Understand understand but I was like cool I'm gonna push it because I know we can we've got we have the mandate and um, people may be a little bit out of their comfort zone but it's gonna be fine so now the work has even like I said acknowledge of a country yeah. to have you think about global marketing marketing student recruitment now they're encouraging we've got our CMO who's saying he, he gave the acknowledgement this morning now we're saying in our team huddles who wants to say who wants to mm-hmm. say they acknowledge a country you know everyone knows you can say because we're yeah. all foreigners on the land. You know, Absolutely. there's that whole understanding and learning. So I guess the same thing with um, storytelling, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I was just thinking that, yeah. The same thing. It's yeah. kind of like, how do you, because you have that framework and it's like a template and you can yeah. just read from it with no feeling. You're not going to, it's not, no one's going to listen. No one's going to get it. But I guess in terms of lecturing, I had a, a conversation with a student. I said, where do you think storytelling fits in, in, in your lectures? Mm. And they're like, um, 
I guess uh, like if it's real life stories, you know, something of its lived experience of how this applies to their our theory applies to their life. I said, yeah, but you can you can get that from case studies. Yeah. What's the difference? What do you What's what do you think matters? Yeah, yeah difference. Um, and um, this person said, um, I guess it's it's the way the person communicates. I guess it's the way it's brought out. So I, I was thinking like, you know, lectures, lecture theories are quite sterile, yep, depending, right? You know, they're sterile. So how do you bring them on a journey? And I think it's uh, using the elements. I think uh, if I look at those three things, intention, mm-hmm. the intention is to get the information across, yes, but it's in the delivery, right? And so I think understanding our audience and um, depending on, if you think about undergraduates who just leaving high school, all those things matter like video audio all that kind of stuff interaction role playing Mm -hmm. huge Mm. Um, uh, and then reciprocity you know what I mean so is it then that the obviously the reciprocity for lecturers is like assignment is da 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 you're right but there's something could there be something more to it could we yeah yeah. Yeah. so thinking on that lens where um, because whenever I speak or deliver anything I think about yeah. about my intention in the heart you know mm-hmm. how do you I always think about how do you move a person's heart so they so sorry how do you influence move a person's heart so influences change and action yeah. you want to move them to action mm-hmm. and I find um, that and I, I know it's because of my upbringing but I know it's teachable right mm. it's teachable it's kind of the, the thing where you say um, some things are, are not taught some things are caught and I think <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah and yeah. I think maybe as lecturers you have an opportunity that they can catch some things right there's some things you can teach as fine but you want there are some things that you can catch and I think the ones that catch it you know not everyone's going to get it that's okay no that is okay yeah, yeah. I think, but the ones that catch it are the ones you're going to go see high so mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really, really positive and focused note to finish on. So it's been real pleasure to um, talk to you today, Marion, and um, it's uh, really good to see you. And thank you. Yeah, for, no, um, thank you for having me. Ideas. Yes. Um, lots of people will be inspired, I'm sure, by the ideas, many of the ideas that we've covered um, in our conversation. And we will have a, a, a blog post sure. uh, on our blog sister. And what we'll try to do is include lots of those resources, including mm. the cards, mm-hmm. the word cards or information about them mm. on it. So people can follow up and explore those things um, if they're interested. This has been Open Classrooms, episode 14, recorded at RMIT University in Melbourne.